Now listen, today's a special day because we're going to announce what we have given on the building, uh, on the land that we're going to purchase. So so let me just tell you this, just a little bit of history so that we're all on the same page and so that we kind of know where we're headed for today. April the 16th, uh, we did a church meeting here. And remember, about two years prior to this, we'd been praying that God would open up land and identify land and that we could purchase land to relocate the church to serve our, uh, solve our long-term problem, which is, which is just exponential growth. We have a short-term problem as well, right? Uh, because generally we're in overflow services and we have people in the Welcome Center. And it's really not a good place. It's not conducive for overflow. And so that's why we're doing the construction over here in the underground to where it will be a true worship venue. And so uh, uh, about 100 people will be able to worship in there. It's going to be sound and lighting, and, and it's awesome. It's going to be an awesome room. And so that should be ready August, September, sometime in there. So that fixes our, short, our short-term problem. But our long-term problem is this. We need to relocate because we're just outgrowing the facility. So April the 16th, we found land. Uh, we met together as a church family in and in, in a, a business meeting. And so you guys voted uh, to purchase, to allow us to empower the, the elders and, and, and guide you into the purchase of the land and the construction and relocation of the church on April the 16th. So it's 50 acres, about 300, well, it was exactly $375,000. So that was just like an unbelievable deal. So we've done that. Uh, we have a contract in the following weekend, April 2021. Uh, I announced that the campaign to the church that, that we're real quickly going to try to raise as much money as we can so we can pay cash for the so we can pay cash for the land, which is three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. And so then the weekend of the twenty seven twenty eight is when you guys really first started giving. So in eight weeks, uh, we want to announce uh, how much has been given. And so I'm going to announce that, but at the end of the service, okay? Yeah. So it's kind of like American Idol, right? We're like you just get at the moment. You think, he's going to do it, he's going to do it. No, it's a commercial break. So, okay, so, so I'll throw you a bone, okay? Uh, and so I'll, I'll give you this, which is an amazing deal. So April the 16th, you voted to empower the elders to purchase the land. We did a signed contract. We have a contract that's legally binding with two, uh, two, two things that we need to solve is special, uh, special use permit and amended subdivision plat. Get those approvals. Those are two conditions. And so this last week, the seller's call. They say, hey, listen, we've been thinking about this whole deal of selling the land to the church and that whole deal. And so we've, we've been thinking about it. And so our board has met. And we've decided we want to be a part of what God's doing in our community. And we want to be a part of Fellowship of the Rockies. So we're going to reduce the price. Yeah. And so, so, so we're going to reduce the price by $10,000. So now the new sales price is $365,000, and they have their attorneys working, and they'll amend the contract, and we'll sign it. I mean, I'm telling you, if you will learn to trust God with your money, you will see him do things that you cannot explain. That doesn't make sense mathematically. doesn't make sense in the real world. But if you will take, and when you learn that you can trust God with your money, then you understand you can trust him with your whole life. And so if you have your Bibles, if you turn there, electronic devices, whatever you use, Jer- uh, Joshua chapter 24, Jeremiah chapter 29, we're predominantly going to be in Joshua chapter 24. And see, Joshua took the children of Israel, and, and, it, and it, was a, it was about the time that he was going to go away. He was going to pass away. 
And so commonly in the Old Testament, when, a, when an Old Testament leader was about ready to pass away and he knew his time was short, they would typically get everybody together and he would share a message, he would share a charge, he would share something that was deeply, deeply on his heart. And see, Joshua was passionate about this because their forefathers, the generation before them, had walked away from God, hadn't really followed God. And so they became very polytheistic in their religion and they, they, they worshiped multiple gods. And so Joshua had led them out of that into where they knew Yahweh and the one God and the one true God. And so Joshua was nervous. Joshua was scared. He was burdened for them. And so he led them to the point publicly to where he says, you know what, you've got to choose this day whom you're going to serve. And so he said, but as far as me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And he led them to make this commitment because he is so worried that they would go back to the religion of their forefathers. And so when you look at our culture and you look at our time, it's a lot like the culture that their forefathers had come out of. You see, our world, in our world, our nation specifically, is changing rapidly. Over the last several years, there have been some seismic shifts in our culture. And the seismic shifts are happening more quickly and more violently to where all of a sudden these, these strong seismic shifts in our culture, when we look at the news and we look at the reports and we're like, are you serious? This is America. This is the country that we live in. See, these, these seismic shifts are going to change the culture's attitude to Christ. And oh, and let me tell you this. It's going to make it more of a challenge for those who follow Christ in our nation. By all statistics, we live in a post-Christian nation. Pueblo, Colorado, I've told you when we started that Think Big series together, that Pueblo, Colorado, based upon a survey that George Barna and his group did over a course of a year, Pueblo, Colorado is one of the top 100 most post-Christian cities in our nation. Now listen, when I say post-Christian, let's define that. I don't so much mean non-Christian or non-professing Christians, or I don't even mean, really mean anti-Christian. What I mean is this, is we live in a country now to where our country and people are increasingly losing their memory of what it means to be a follower of Christ. What it means to be a disciple of Christ. Biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. People no longer know the story of the Bibles, the, the stories of the Bible. They no longer know, I put the wrong whatever on the wrong word, but they no longer know the stories of the Bible. They no longer value the stories of the Bible. They don't even know what it means to be a follower of Christ. They don't know what it means to be a They don't even know what Jesus is asking them to do. And sex has become this thing that our nation is like totally focused on. Oh, this group of people, they may believe in a higher power. And they may believe in a higher being. But that is not fleshed out in terms of an authority. So as a result, they see God as a benevolent God, a distant God, a God that is not in authority over them. And as a result of that, moral values become a matter of personal preference, personal opinion, private judgment, instead of being rooted and grounded in objective truth or in the truth of Scripture. See, they view God, this higher power, as a God that is distant and benevolent, 
but not in authority over them. And so he doesn't care what they do with their bodies. He doesn't care about their relationships. He doesn't care about what they do with their time. He doesn't care about what you do with your money. He doesn't care about any of that because he's just this distant, benevolent God. And we really are over authority of him instead of him being over authority of us. And so sadly, we're, we live in this nation, supposedly Christian nation that has now become one of the world's largest mission fields. You realize that, right? For one of the very first times in our history, other countries are sending missionaries to America to evangelize us because we have walked so far away from Christian biblical beliefs. Now listen, it's not a surprise to God the culture that we're in. Just like it wasn't a surprise to God, the culture that, that, that Joshua's forefathers were in. And so it's not a surprise to God, the culture that we find ourselves in. God is not shocked. God is not surprised. But he says to us what he says to every other people group that have followed him that were in exile. Because really and truly, Bible-believing Christians are in exile. We no longer have home-field advantage in our country. And he says the same thing to us that he says to other groups that have followed him that were in exile. Live for me in the culture I have placed you. Have distinctives, distinctive lives that is not influenced by media, that is not influenced by culture, and that is not influenced by popular opinion or thought. Now listen, our culture is shifting. And the, and the shifts are going to happen more rap, rapidly and more drastically in the coming days. But we stand on a foundation that is strong, and we stand on a foundation of truth. We stand on the foundation of the Bible that does not shift. Now, Joshua chapter three, 23, leading to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua starts telling the people to serve him. He, God has kept like every promise to you. He is faithful. He is true. Serve him. Continue to serve him. Serve him with your life, and he will bless you. And so he gathers the people around for his last word. And they knew this was his last word. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, here's what the scripture says. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods your forefathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the, the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, he says, I, I just want you to know. I can't control every other house. I can't control the culture. I can't control everybody else's decision, but I need you to know. But as for me and my house, guess what? We're going to serve the Lord. In other words, that Joshua was a strong leader, and he was asking them, you better choose whose side you're on. You better choose if, because, man, you better choose whether you're on the Lord's side or someone else's side. And, and so he was telling them, you better, like in the words of the famous theologian Bob Dylan, you're going to serve somebody, right? You may serve yourself. You may serve the devil. You may serve the world. You may serve the culture. You may serve God. You're going to serve somebody. And so what Joshua was saying, in this shifting culture, you, better do, you, you have to make a choice. And he said, it's for me and my house. We're serving the Lord. And the leaders and the people began to scream back. I mean, they weren't quiet. They weren't passive about this. They begin to shout back, we will serve the Lord. Now, just real quickly, just three things about this issue of 
of serving the Lord and why we serve the Lord, the first one is this, is we serve him with obedience. Man, we serve him with obedience because we get it. We understand we're not like the world. We understand that God is in authority over us. He is not a distant God. He is not a benevolent God. And so we get it and we understand that, that we serve him because he is an authority over us. Joshua 24 verse 1. Here's what Joshua says. He says, And Joshua assembled the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officials of Israel. And, very important phrase, it is underlined, asterisked, highlighted in my Bible, bookmarked on my iPad. And he says, watch this. And they, they what? They presented themselves before God, but they were in front of Joshua. See, Joshua was a representative of God. They weren't presenting themselves to Joshua. They were presenting themselves to God. See, let me tell you something here. When you serve here, you are not serving this church. You are not serving. You're serving God. When you respond here, you are not responding to a pastor. You're not responding to a church. We're only his representatives. When you respond here, you are responding not to man. You're responding to God. See, these people got it. They understood that obedience is, is, is the foundation. Obedience is where service starts. And so they got it. They understood. And so they presented themselves to the Lord. So let's just understand something. When we choose to serve him, service starts in obedience to him in his authority. Man, we choose this day whom we're going to serve. And, and Joshua begins to tell them he he called you out of this false religion. He called you out of the, the wilderness and the, and the darkness and this false spirituality that is being talked about so much in our culture. And people talk about, I'm, I'm just spiritual. I think this false spirituality that is rising in our cult, culture will prove to be more dangerous to the Christian faith than atheism. It's this false sense of a belief. It's like in the scripture, the scripture says, with their mouth, with their lips, they profess me. But by their actions, by what they did, they, they don't even know me. They don't even have a relationship with me. Verse 2, so Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, included Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river, and they worshipped other gods. In other words, it was God who, who has separated you and who separated them from this false religion and this false belief and, and brought you into a relationship with him. And now we have Jesus Christ that tells us that, that just, just live for me and walk and just be my disciple. Listen, let me tell you something. When he calls us to follow him, it is not to follow him to become a Christian. It is to follow him to be a disciple and to live a life of sacrifice and to understand that we are following him and we are following his teaching. But when you look at our world and you look at our nation, you realize that we are drowning in the sea of God's right. I mean, whether it's sex, whether it's pleasure, whether it's unbelief, whether it's do-it-yourself, self-made man, self-made woman, whether it's Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or secular hedonism, where this primary religion has no idea about God, and you know what the goal is of secular hedonism? Pleasure. God is distant. 
God is not an authority over me. God doesn't care what I do with my life. He doesn't care about my choices. He doesn't care what I do with my body. And so my purpose in life is to feel good and for pleasure. Oh, and if you stand in the way of that, if you stand in the way of my sexuality, if you stand in the way of my pleasure, I will demonize you. We got that going on in our culture right now, right? I mean, we live in a time when an NBA, NBA basketball star stands up and says, I'm gay. And he's celebrated and talked about being a hero and, and all of those other things. And then when an NFL football player stands up and says, I'm a follower of Christ. I am his disciple. And I pray. And I'm a virgin. And I will wait till marriage, as Scripture says. The, you know what the world does? They call him a moron. They tell him to shut up and sit down because that kind of talk is hateful and has no place in the public square. I mean, some of the seismic shifts are shocking. We find out that the IRS has been targeting, right, people of faith, people who are pro-life, conservatives, Billy Graham's organization, anybody that doesn't have the same talk or the same language as they do. Here a while back when I bought my first iPhone, they told me when I bought this iPhone that they said, you know what, if you'll turn on the GPS of the iPhone and you get this app, and in case you lose your phone, because I lose phones a lot, and they said, so in case you lose your phone and you have this app and you got your GPS on, you just, you just open up the app when you lose your phone, and it'll tell you where your phone is. It'll tell you even the address of the house that your phone is at, and you can find it. It's a great deal, right? You know what I realized? I no longer need that. If I lose my phone, I'm calling the government. They can tell me where it is and who's been talking on it. <laughs> right? I don't even need it anymore. I mean, when you start looking at these seismic shifts that are going on in our country, we're like, are you serious? This is in America? This stuff is going on. This stuff is being reported. This stuff is being tolerated. Parents are spending less and less time with their kids and their spiritual development. And so when Jesus says, come and follow me and I'll... I'll, I'll give you freedom and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, eternal life and just follow me. It wasn't just to become a Christian, but it was to become a disciple. It was to live a life of sacrifice and to follow him and have distinctives about your life. And so that's why Joshua said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. You've got to choose. And the second reason that we serve him is this, is that we serve him with gratitude. In other words, we're just grateful what he's done. It just... It just, it just like boggles my mind. The number of people that I talk to, that after all God has done for them, they have no desire or they believe they owe him nothing. There is like no gratitude. It is all about them. And so they have no idea or no gratitude that he wants anything in return, any sacrifice. Where their time, talent, treasures, their life, their ministry, their resources. Listen, I'm telling you this day. As long as you make life all about you, your comfort, your pleasure, you will never serve the Lord. Oh, and you will never know the blessings of a person that sacrifices and follows him. I mean, Joshua was so bold as a leader. He told them, fact is, God's anger burns against those who don't serve him. And so he moves and he starts giving them a history lesson, verse 6. He says, and then I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers and chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. 
And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw, in other words, your eyes saw what I did. You remember that in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. And then I brought you to, to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you and I give, gave them into your hand and took possession of their land. And I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam to the son of Ber to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over to the Jordan, came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And I gave, you into your, I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. Oh, and I need to let you know, it was not by your sword or by your bow. In other words, it wasn't by your effort. I blessed you. I took care of you. I, I led you. I guided you. I protected you. I did everything. I was faithful to you. I did everything for you that I said that I was going to do. And I brought you out of a life of slavery. I brought you out of a life of confusion and religion. And I brought you out of the wilderness. And I brought you out of the darkness. I brought you out of a life of hurt and a life of pain. And I'm telling you, I, I cannot express this enough to you. When I think of what God delivered me out of, the slimy pit that he lifted my life out of in my mid-twenties, I was radically changed. And I am not the same person I was in my 20s. I was living in darkness and I was living in a wilderness. And when he radically changed my life and I realized I didn't have to live in the guilt and the junk of, the, of, of my past and I didn't have to carry that guilt and I didn't have to carry that shame that I could walk in newness of life and he saved me from spiritual death, I cannot help but serve him. I cannot help but be obedient to him out of obedience and out of gratitude. Man, how many of us in this room have near-missed stories of how God saved them from a spiritual death or how God saved them from a physical death? It just boggles my mind just to think about what God has done. And there are some that have no gratitude for what he has done. And that's why Joshua kept saying, choose this day. You choose this day whom you're going to serve. See, it's gratitude for his grace. Watch this verse 12. And so he says, and so I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. In other words, you're not a self-made man. You're not a self-made woman. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat of the fruit of, of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. In other words, look at all that I've done in your life. I've blessed you. I've blessed you where you live. I've blessed you with talent. I've blessed you with, with resources. I've blessed you with an, with an intellect. In fact, is what, you know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says He has given you the ability to make wealth. I've given you everything. He says, as a result of that, now choose this day. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Because... You're going to serve somebody. 
And so we serve him out of obedience. We serve him out of gratitude. And the last thing is this, and we serve him with faithfulness. In other words, we're just faithful to him regardless of the culture we're in, regardless of what the country says, the government says, the media says, that we serve him with faithfulness. Verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him. And that's an important English word. And serve him with all faithfulness. In other words, faithfulness in every area of your life. In fact, is the word faithfulness is this word that means sincerity and truth. See, there has to be both there, right? It's sincerity and truth. There are some people that are they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Okay? There has to be sincerity and truth. There are some people that are sincere, and they are sincere in their beliefs, and they're sincere in following God, but there is no truth. And that's where cults come from. That's where false religions come from. See, sincerity is just not enough. And that's what Joshua was saying. You, you know how to serve him? With sincerity and with truth, with honesty. Just be real. Don't be fake. And just be transparent. I mean, it's more than just sincerity. I mean, I like have no medical training. I may be married to a nurse, but me, I have like no medical training. And I can go to the medicine cabinet, and I can get a bottle of pills out of the medicine cabinet, and I can be sincere thinking if I take that pill, it'll make me better, when in truth it can be killing me. It's both. It's sincerity and in truth. It means to be real and to be genuine. This is why he says, throw away the gods of your forefathers' worship. Be on the river of the Indian Egypt. And just serve him. In other words, serve him exclusively. That God is a, a jealous God. And God will not be served alongside something else or someone else. And let me ask you, is there a strong desire in your life for corporate worship? Is there a strong desire in your life for fellowship of other believers to where you gather around in rooms and circles and, and life groups and open up scripture and Pray for one another, encourage one another, accept one another, build relationships with one another. Is there a desire in your life to life journal? Is there a desire in your life for the word? To where you follow him in all faithfulness, sincerity, and in truth. Or is it just all entertainment and pleasure and what God can do for you? Is it something that's important to you? See, see I believe that the secret of the Christian life starts in obedience where you slowly crucify all the strange gods in your life. That's why Joshua said, just choose this day whom you're going to serve. It, it was immediate. It's like, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, today. That's why the scripture says it is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. When we realize how good God has been and how he has blessed us. The scripture says that Jesus Christ has come, that you may have life and you may have that life more abundantly. If you would just follow me. See, Joshua was real and Joshua was bold. See, Joshua understood just like any crowd you stand before. Joshua understood that even with all of that, there would be some in the crowd that that would be undesirable to them to serve him. Watch this. Verse 15, and he says, and if it is evil, that's a Hebrew root word, raha, which means bad, injurious, hateful, hurtful, 
harmful, unpleasant. So if it seems harmful or bad or unpleasant to you to serve the Lord, then just choose this day whom you're going to serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods your forefathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. See, they didn't have a home field advantage. They had a culture much like ours. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. See, see, I've learned this. That the blessings of serving God and being obedient to Him outweigh the sacrifice. And that's why a long time ago I just made a commitment that I'll serve you to the very best of my ability with all of my heart, with transparency and sincerity as long as God gives me grace. That's what led us to plant a church a thousand miles away and leave everything because of a call of him. One of, one of Napoleon's greatest victories, he never wanted his men to forget it. And he had a coin made that said, I was there. I was there. I want that for you. Man, I want that for you so bad. And not just that you were there, but you fought the battle like they did. So you can say, you know what? I wasn't a spectator. I was there. I gave. I sacrificed. I served. I was a part of it because when you celebrate and you're actually a part of it, the celebration is always sweeter and always greater when you have skin in the game. You see, Jeremiah told a group of people the same that he tells us that I think is a word into our city, that is a word into our time. See, they were in exile. They didn't have home field advantage. And, and God told them the same thing that he tells us. Just live in the culture where I planted you and have distinctives. And people know that you are different. And here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that may be, they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But here we go, verse 7. This is the word for us. But seek the welfare of Pueblo, Colorado, where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on Pueblo's behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Our worship team is going to come up, and they're going to help us celebrate what God is doing in our community. See, out of this verse, this verse is a word for us, and this verse is a word into this community. And this word talks about the importance of serving a city and seeking the welfare of a city. That's why we do so much in this community. That's why Fellowship of the Rockies is named here. Do you realize this year we have already put about over $30,000 into this community? 
whether it's through feeding the homeless, feeding the poor, whether it's been uh, the cooperative care, the pregnancy center, whether it's been adoption of Beulah Heights Elementary School where we put thousands of dollars into that school. And not only dollars, we put people, we put ministry partners that can go in that live distinctive lives, that live different lives. And they, they, they help kids with homeworks and they're role models for kids. I'm telling you. That's why the sellers would say, you know what? We want to be a part of what God is doing through Fellowship of the Rockies. We seek the welfare of this city. Now listen, in just a second, we're going to celebrate this number. That over the last weeks, eight weeks to be exact, you've been seeking the Lord and you've been given and you're going to continue to give. That our goal, that when we buy the land this year, we'll just pay cash for it. We don't have to borrow any money. We, we shouldn't have to borrow any money. This, this is no thing. 375 well, now $365,000. A lot of my life, I was so type A and I was so driven, I never, ever celebrated any victories. You know, as a result of that, I, dis, I discouraged a lot of people that, that, that were in my ministry. I discouraged my family. Because I'd never come to the place because I was so driven. I was already thinking about the next battle. I was already thinking about the next hill to take. But you see in the Old Testament, you see in the New Testament, they celebrated what God did. They celebrated the victories. So this morning, I, before we announce it, I want to teach you in case any of you are, are challenged in this area like me, how to properly celebrate what God has done. So why don't you stand with me if you would? And you know what? While you're standing, why don't you reach in your neighbor's pocket and give like you've always wanted to give? That's really what giving is, right? We reach into our Father's pocket and we give because it's really His. And we're just giving back to Him what is already His in gratitude and in faithfulness. So here's the deal. In just a second, we're going to put the number up here. And when the number comes up, I don't want you to, I want you to celebrate. I don't want you to be reverent. I want you to clap. If you want to shout, you shout. But I want you to celebrate what God has done in this place through this people group. So there it is. 320,000. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? 